Welcome to Horns Up. I'm Animesh. And I'm Peter. And once again, making his third or his fourth? I don't know, man. Like, Aditya, how many times have you appeared on Horns Up already? <laughs> I think this is my third appearance on the podcast. And this is this is by far the one that you're most excited about, right? Yeah, definitely. 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 And what's the reason for your excitement? The reason for why me being here and why I'm super like fanboying at this moment is uh, we are going to talk to one of the most legendary guitar players of all time, that is Dino Cazares from Pure Factory. Like one of my favorite bands ever. Man. And thank you very much for having me on this and letting me fanboy again. I've been a pleasure, man. <laughs> I'll, I'll repay you the payment <laughs> later. <laughs> so wait, Aditya, let's go back to the start because there's a very interesting story of how you became the fanboy that you are today of Fear Factory. Please tell yeah. us what's your connection. So, so basically, uh, like in 2002, three or four, I don't remember. In mean that, my cousin had burnt me like this MP3. Which he very patiently downloaded from Napster and it had uh, Edge Crusher or Shock. I, I don't remember the song. I think Edge Crusher, yeah. Edge Crusher by Fear Factory, uh, which was from their album Obsolete. So there used to be this store in Matunga called Music Craft, uh, this very tiny hole in the wall store, man. Like if you miss it, you miss it. It's like that. So I used to buy a lot of uh, cassettes from there back in the day, but he used to have like very uh, you know, considerably mainstream stuff. Like, you would have Metallica and Maiden and stuff like that. But uh, it would be stuff to find, like, death metal and all of that. But uh, what happened was because he was doing a lot of uh, import from EMI and uh, Universal and all that, he got a couple of Roadrunner albums as well. And so I used to always go there and tell him, you know, just empty out the metal section or whatever you've got in hard rock, as he used to call it. And, you know, just show it to me and I'll, I'll see what I'll buy for you. And yeah, man, one, one day he ended up having the Fear Factory cassette, man, of Obsolete. And my mind was blown. And, and the thing is, see, so because it was an MP3, I didn't know what album it was from. And I was checking it and I just you know, turned it back and I saw Edge Crusher. And that's the second song of the album. And I'm like, holy shit, this is the album that this song is on. And this is the band, Fear Factory. So yeah, man, immediate buy. I think I paid like some 130 bucks for that cassette back in the day. But worth every penny, man. So that's wow. how... My my fanboyism started uh, from a Roadrunner cassette that he'd imported just purely by chance. Because uh, every time I used to go to, I he used to tell me that he used to find out about bands, metal bands from me. Because, I mean, it's a predominantly Gujarati area, that place. So people used to just come in and buy Bollywood stuff. And very rarely used to get people to buy stuff like, you know, Metallica or Guns N' Roses and stuff like that. So to yeah, find someone who used to buy extreme metal for him was like uh, insane, insane, you know, fine for him as well. I bought a couple of albums from him, man. I I got I think I got uh, side Once Upon the Cross on cassette from him also back in the day. Uh, Slipknot, yeah, a lot of stuff, man. And he was kind enough to you know sort of keep importing stuff for me. So Jayesh, bhai, if you ever listen to this, thank you for all those years of service. <laughs> for providing me with the cassettes that uh, I never thought I would buy. Yeah, without Jayesh Bhai, there wouldn't be <laughs> this fandom of your factory and of Dino Cazares. Yeah, definitely, definitely. So, let's not waste any further time. Here's that chat. Here's Toila marking out. And now, ladies and gentlemen, the one and only Dino Cazares. Welcome to Horns Up, Dino. 
Thank you very much for having me. I appreciate it. All right. So first up, congratulations on Aggression Continuum. Do you feel a sense of relief now? A 100% a sense of relief that it, the record is finally going to come out after being, you know, finished uh, way back in 2017 and then being able to finally complete it in 2020. And I'm glad it's very liberating that it's coming out. Okay, so reviews have started trickling in, etc., etc. Yeah, What's been yeah. the funniest reaction to the album so far? Oh, um, I don't know. I I don't think I've read anything funny about any of their reactions. Are you talking about like the reaction videos or <laughs> the reviews? Which ones are you talking about? I saw a bunch of funny man. <laughs> um, I don't really know. There's just some kind of semi-funny ones, but you know, just some weird people reacting doing the reacting videos okay so. cool so on the flip side have there been any reviews or reaction videos that have made you seriously draw your attention to or think about a particular facet uh i mean i mean there's so many it's hard to for me to keep up with all of them but yeah i've read mm-hmm. i've seen and read a lot of reviews and have been really good yeah uh so do you know given the amount of time and effort that's gone into this album is this like the most expensive album to date for the band no definitely not the most expensive <laughs> one probably the most expensive one was probably obsolete oh, oh wow that was that, a very that, expensive record to make that's my favorite by you, you guys <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we just we just recorded, uh, you know, we did the pre-production in Los Angeles and then we recorded it in Canada. Um, and we also hired the symphony orchestra to play Resurrection and Timelessness. And so, you know, our costs were pretty high on that record. And we spent a long time uh, mixing the album. You know, we wanted it to be perfect mix. So back then, you know, that was when we were, we were actually recording old school style on an actual board. Mm-hmm. No, not on the not on a computer. Okay, okay, but given the amount of uh, uh, money that's gone into this particular record as well, here's a side of a left field business question here. Then, in today's day and age, especially given the pandemic, etc., how do you guys recoup the investments on this? Uh, through <laughs> uh, through everything. Um, uh, if you're talking about personal investments, that takes a long time. But if you're talking about like the in, the money that the record company invested in us, they make it back through record sales and through streaming, uh, and through different stuff like that. Um, also through YouTube. Uh, unfortunately, uh, Nuclear Blast takes all our royalties from YouTube, so they make all the money from that. Uh, so that's all goes into paying back the investment. All right. So, what's your take on how people hear music? Uh, these days right i mean you talked about youtube and uh, that plays an important part so a lot of it has you know shifted to streams videos does the choice of album or physical appeal still hold up what do you think for me personally it still holds up yes um especially with people now collecting a lot of vinyl and um so people want to make you know the artwork still work out but as far as like you know, because back in the day, we used to put out digipacks, like special version of the actual CD. Nowadays, you know, a lot of people don't want to invest in that. It costs too much money and it's not worth it because, you know, not a lot of people are going to buy it like they used to back in the day. But 
Um, but for a band like us, you know, they maybe only manufacture maybe 25,000 CDs, maybe a little more. Um, because, you know, CDs are just not exactly, you know, where it's at. So it's all about streaming. It's all about views. It's all about subscriptions. It's all about likes nowadays, you know. So a band could actually support themselves doing through all those different outlets compared to, you know, being signed to a record company. Not all bands need to be signed to a record company because some can literally do it themselves. And I see it every day, not necessarily metal, uh, but, I, but I do see a lot of hip hop and, uh, you know, a lot of urban music like that do it themselves and make their own money, which is pretty cool. Um, but right now, one thing that's really popular with a lot of people making money off uh, online videos, video views is, uh, you know, a lot of guys who play just play guitar in their bedroom or in their studio and make make content that way. Uh, people reviewing gear, all those people making really, really, really big money off off the Internet. Okay, um, I'd like you to just break that down a bit more for us. And like, you know, while you're wearing the business hat on this, what's the value of a stream or a YouTube play uh, for a band like Fear Factory? Of course, it's all important. All of it is important. You know, uh, some people like to complain about streaming services. No, we don't exactly get paid the best percentage. But at least bands now because of online streaming services, bands that never used to make money off the radio because they were never played on the radio, now they're able to make money off streaming. You know, uh, you know. for instance, take Fear Factory back in the day. We were not making any money off publishing, off streaming, because there was no outlet for it. There was just no, it was very, very little radio for us or any kind of, uh, anywhere for anybody to really hear the band. You know, it's just about being on tour, going out and playing in front of as many people as you possibly can. Nowadays, <clears throat> for a band like Fear Factory or even any newer school bands, um, the streaming services are very, very important that people are able to make a career off of that, um, <clears throat> just solely off that. Uh, but for us, we've been around for a long time, so we're lucky that we get a lot of, uh, a lot of views and a lot of streams. So all of it's important no matter what size band you are. Fantastic. Thank you. So I was reading up some of your old interviews, and this is the time when you released Genexus, where you described the album as it would land somewhere between demanufactured and obsolete. So now that you're promoting Aggression Continuum, where do you think that lies in your overall discography? Good question. Um, I think that this probably has the anger and the energy of mechanized. Uh, it has a diversity of the diversity of uh, obsolete. Um, and I think some of the electronic elements of demanufacture. So it's got hints of classic Fear Factory all over the place. You know what I mean? Um, every record we do, we try to improve or we try to make it better than the last, you know? Um, obviously, there's a classic record like Demanufacture. It's very, very hard to beat. You know what I mean? But we've gone other places since that time. 
obsolete. It was a very big record for us. Very well-rounded record that appealed to a lot of people. And it was groovier, in some cases, even heavier than D-Manufactured. On this record, we really wanted to bring the energy, the intensity, and the beautiful melodic parts as well. Uh, The contrast between the heavy vocals and the melodic vocals are much more apparent on this record uh, compared to some of the previous records. Um, and the same thing with, with, with the guitar riffs and the, and the beats, you know, I think working with different keyboard players as well, added some new nuances and dynamics to the album as well. And actually putting live drums on this record also helped with the dynamics as well. So, and we wanted the, we wanted the, we wanted the the heavy parts and melodic parts to be even more of a contrast than, than previous albums. And I think that we able that we we achieve that, and I think that's one of the beauties of this record is uh, just being able to to do that and, and make it work in a song. Uh, so Dino, having said that, uh, what's the one thing about uh, aggressive continuum that you'd like both fans and critics to take notice of? I would like I would like them to take notice that this is a t- an, an intense record. It's a roller coaster. It's got a it's got a movie esque vibe to it. You know, the first song, Recode, is intense, it's powerful, it's big, it's cinematic, um, it's movie-esque. Um, and then the rest of the record, just there's riffs all over the place. There's killer vocals everywhere. The beats are fucking badass. Um, and I like, I like for people to hear it as a record as, a, as, a, as compared to just one song. Um, because I think that the whole record is that kind of a record that you want to listen from start to finish. That's true. <laughs> now I kind of see. That's true. Yeah. Like what, what I heard, like from what I heard, it was like riffs galore. And I was like a happy man after that. Uh, but yeah, <laughs> that, that being said, you know, let's uh, play a song from aggressive Pentium and uh, which one should we play and why? Okay. I think that aggressive continuum would be a, the title track would be a good song to play because one, it's got the, it's got the, the uh, intro is the automaton talking to a human and the human is trying to tell the automaton that it's not human, that it's a machine. It was only made to kill. So I really like that intro. And then when it goes into the riff, you know, it, it gets heavy, it gets fast. And then um, I really like the pre-chorus. No more will I be your victim. No more will I stand. You know, that part is really cool. And then going into the melodic chorus is killer. And then, of course, the the mid breakdown is fucking badass. So play that song. Were made by humans to affect
you know you've been doing a lot of media i mean you're talking to three of us here in india but it takes a lot of time and effort right so just straight up why choose to spend so much time with the press well first of all it's my record so i want to promote the record right <clears throat> second of all it's a great record so why <laughs> would you have a why would anybody have a problem talking about something that they created that they're very proud of so i am very proud of what what it is and i'm telling you about um and i want people to listen listen to the record and enjoy it you know what i mean um whether they buy it or stream it or whatever you know i really want them to get into the record get into the concept get into the story get into the music get into the vibe and just um you know that's that, that's that's the the beauty about being in a band is you want as many people to hear it as possible given that you're spending so much time with the media what are your thoughts on music journalism these days especially at a time when fans and influencers and the ilk have platforms that are on par with professional journalists critics well, and reviewers well first of all there's 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 a lot more people involved now than there was you know 10 15 years ago mm-hmm. everybody has a you know because of covid everybody has i mean whoever invented zoom is a bazillionaire you know that right Yeah, for so, sure. <laughs> you know. Um so now everybody could do interviews and meetings and do do their own little podcast, do their own video video podcast, whatever you want to call it. So everybody's a critic, everybody's a journalist now. So that's probably the reason why you're seeing more of me because there's more a lot more people doing this stuff. Right? And I think it's cool. I think it's um just another way for us to get, you know, our our uh story out there our music you know to more people um and i think it's more engaging as well you know what i mean um so i i enjoy it i don't mind talking to people about my band or about my music no not at all i love it yeah i'm glad that you are actually doing it but coming back to the music i mean fear factory's music the theme has always been about you know how technology will eventually take over humanity and looking at the time that we're currently in right where people are sorry let me take this again do you think the time is now i mean with people who are so dependent on their phones and hooked on to social media well everybody's addicted to the ios device yeah or any kind of a you know handheld computer <laughs> But yeah, we've always talked about the relationship between human and AI and just how technology has definitely advanced in our day-to-day life. Some things we notice, some things we don't notice. You know what I mean? Um, look how much COVID has changed a lot. You know what I mean? Everybody's now, like I said earlier, Zoom is is a bazillionaire. Um, but yeah, thank God that we have these devices because what happens if we were locked down and we didn't have these devices? now we didn't have the computer we didn't have the facetime what would it, what would it be like i can't even imagine what that would be like being locked down i think we would be i think there would be more suicides <laughs> um but yeah we are we definitely embraced the technology of where it's going you know we've been fans of futuristic movies um ray kurzweil who's a futurist you know in books that we've you know kept uh kept up with uh with a lot of the a lot of the news where 
like companies like Boston Dynamics, uh, Boston Robotics, who are making like yeah the dogs, you know, all these, yeah the the police dogs, and just things like that, and just how technology is advancing even better and better and more and more. Like the other day, I just saw this new, uh, like a, somebody got their arm cut off, and they had a new arm that they could put on, right? Yeah. They were able to connect the nerves, right? And they were able to connect the nerves so the brain can actually still send signal to this robotic arm, which is really cool. And that's getting better and better now that pretty soon we're going to be, it's even going to be more joined together. And it's going to be like, yeah, if you lose a finger or a hand or arm or wrist, a foot, a leg, you're going to be easily be able to replace it. No problem. And it would still function like that because your brain, even though you lost the arm, your brain still thinks it's there. Like your brain is still trying to send signals. It's still doing that. So they figured out now how to capture the signals, you know, through your nerves. Right. And be able to make that arm be normal. Yeah, man. The future is going to be wild. I'm pretty sure. Yeah, that's just minor of what's happening. You know, having said that, you know, in, in the future, I'm pretty sure there's going to be a time when uh, just like a cartridge or just like you'd seen in the Matrix movie, somebody will be offering uh, how to play like Dino Gazdaris cartridge. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, pretty soon you can buy like my arm and just put it on. <laughs> I, I'll, I'll take that. Honestly, I'll take that. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, everybody's addicted to iOS devices and, you know, technology is not always not always for the best. Yeah, but on the flip side, right, you're one of the very few musicians who have really taken to 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 just the opportunity that digital media provides, right? Patreon, Twitter. um, How rewarding has this process been for you? Because you're certainly giving back to the fans and directly interacting with so many of them now. Yeah, I mean, I really enjoy it. There's a lot of fans who want who have a lot of questions and they want to they want to know more about their favorite band. You know what I mean? So mm-hmm. a lot of people ask ask me questions. It doesn't necessarily always have to be. They don't necessarily always ask the best questions. You know, some of them, <laughs> you know, do talk a lot of shit, but that's okay. I try to answer as much as possible to everybody else. You know what I mean? And I try to give back as much as possible. I do have a Patreon page where you can go see all my playthrough videos and my instructional videos and you can you can even download some of my patches that i have for nearest neural neural dsp and kemper patches so you can go there and you can download that stuff and you can at least have my tones that i offer um i don't know it's just a new a new way to um be connected with fans and also a new way to to make money you know and try to survive during this time of covid you know what i mean so it's definitely opened up a lot of things for musicians who were never doing it before to do it now. Yeah. And do you know, also at the same time, you know, how uh, infuriating is it uh, sifting through so many opinions, especially the really ill-informed ones and, you know, does it ever get to you ever? Well, yeah, sometimes things, of course, of course they do. Sometimes things get to me because what really gets to me is that when somebody's misinformed and they miss they 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 don't really know the truth but they give their opinion based off maybe something that they might have heard 
or something like that. But, you know, if anybody follows me on Twitter or any of my social media pages, they will know the truth. They will know the answer. So they don't have to go far or go digging too far to find the truth. But some people just don't bother to doing it. And so that's the things that really bother me. <laughs> yeah, I, I follow you. And sometimes it's kind of hilarious. <laughs> sometimes I feel you just need like an automated bot to reply to some <laughs> of the questions. That, that, that would be much easier for me. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So we have a few more questions to wrap this up. And since we're talking to you from India, right? We actually were at your show in 2014 when you played uh, here in India. So I want to ask you, what's your memories from your time here? I mean, other than the food, of course. Oh, the food is amazing there. Well, first of all, I love Indian food. I love naan bread. You know what I like about the naan bread is that they were, they were making me spicy naan bread. I would say make it extra spicy. So I would order garlic naan with extra spice. And the, and the guy was like, oh, you like it hot? Oh, you like it hot? I'm like, yeah, make it hotter. I'm Mexican, so I like it hot. So that's one of the things I liked about the food there is, is because you guys definitely match the spice of Mexican food. Yeah, right? yeah. So the first place we went to was Pune. Mm-hmm. Pune. And that was more of a, of a contrast of the poverty and the non-poverty. The, uh, it was more of a, I see more of a contrast, right? Um, and they did tell us, don't walk around at night. And we were like, why? What's the big deal? You know, I come from L.A. It's pretty bad. <laughs> <laughs> I can get shot in L.A., right? <laughs> um, but no, uh, one of the things I liked about it was especially at the show, that people were really passionate. People were really into the music. And they were just extremely happy that there was an American band there, you know, like, Oh my God, Fear Factor. I never thought you'd ever come to my country. Like you're here. You know, I remember when I got off the plane and we got in a taxi or yeah, the taxis or just car service that picked us up and we were driving, I think two hours to Pune. So first of all, we flew 22 hours to get to India and then two hours in the taxi to go to Pune. And I just remember all I heard was everybody was honking. Beep, 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 beep. And I realized that that's how you guys communicate on the road. When you guys are driving, you guys communicate. Hey, I'm over here. Beep, beep. Hey, I'm over here. Beep, beep. You guys communicate that way. And I was like, wow. And then I see everybody on motorcycles, a million motorcycles. Right. And then tuk-tuk. I got on the tuk-tuk. And that was cool. A little tuk-tuk ride. And then, um, and then just, you know, getting to the hotel. When we got to the hotel, I remember that the hotel had a big wall around it. It was mm-hmm. a big wall. And it was at night, right? Big wall. And they, the security guards were checking the car before we, we went into the hotel. And I realized that it was a, um, they were checking for bombs or anything like that, anything weird. Right. So then we got to go in. They opened the big gates, the big gates opened up and we got to go in. And then once we got to the hotel there, there was metal detectors in the hotel. The door had metal detectors. And then you had to put the band. I'm sorry, the, the gear, the band gear through through the uh, detectors as well. 
Yeah. Yep. I was like, wow, this is very high security here. So then we get inside and there's these guys, they're all wearing black suits. But the thing that the thing that threw me off that was really, really cool was they all had black turbans. <laughs> I was like, wow, I've never seen black turbans like that. Black turban, black suits. Like, wow, these guys are cool. And we're talking everything black. Black t-shirts, button-up t-shirts, black jacket, black pants, black shoes, black turban. And I was like, that was a cool look. And then when we got to the room and we got to see over the wall, I just saw the poverty that was around mm. around the area. And I, now I knew why they had the wall. You know what I mean? I guess because there were, I guess there was a, there's a lot of homeless kids that, um, that, uh, you know, they ask you for money and I guess they don't want those kids around. I don't know. I don't really know the exact ideology about that, but that's how it was because when we were walking to the mall, it was, a, it was a, from the hotel, there was a mall like three blocks away. So we walked to the mall and uh, we noticed that everybody was stopping on the street for the cow to walk by. <laughs> the sacred cow was walking by. And everybody's like, er, er, er. they'll stop, let the cow go by. Then. You, you got the best India experience. I know. Hold on, hold on, hold on, <laughs> hold on. Then we're walking to the hotel and I see a box on the sidewalk. There's a box. And outside of the box is two pairs of shoes, tiny shoes. And I said, hey, look at the box. I bet you somebody's inside there. When they heard my voice, two little kids get out of the box and they came and they were, they were asking us for money. Mm. No problem. We gave them money. No problem. Right. It was, um, you know, you, you never want to see that, but that's just how it is. Right. And then all of a sudden there was at least 15 kids all around us. They were all asking for money, blah, blah, blah. One, one, one kid, maybe five, six years old was holding a baby that was like, yeah, maybe six months old or a, or a year old was trying to push us on us to buy, to, to give him more money. We gave him more money. It was, it was a very weird experience to see, but that's how they make a living. Right. Yep. So when we get to the, we get to the mall and before we go into the mall, we have to go through security and the security were shooing away all the kids like, Oh, you got to get out of here. And I was, It was so funny because you could tell the kids were calling them names in India and in Indian. I couldn't tell what they were saying, but you could tell they were talking shit to the security guards. And we thought it was funny. Um, and then we get and then we get into the mall before we go into a mall. All of a sudden we see these cameras like cameras, like like paparazzi cameras. And there was two actors, Bollywood actors, a guy and a girl. I guess they're a couple a famous couple. We're walking into the mall. So you had all these paparazzis following them. And we're like, damn, we got like the most famous and richest Bollywood people, you know, that could be the Kardashians of fucking Bollywood. I don't know. <laughs> and then we have the poverty, the extreme poverty of the kids. And then a the sacred cow walking by it was pretty uh, interesting experience. Then I go into the mall and what do I see? Starbucks. Cinnabon. I see, <laughs> I see a, a Mexican restaurant 
And I'm like, what the hell? I did not leave LA. This this mall is so much like LA. So that's my experience. And then playing the shows were just out of this world. It was amazing. You want to hear more? <laughs> no. Uh, yeah. So, uh, so uh, Dino, you've been like, you know, part of some legendary brands like Bruheria and Asasino and Divine Heresy to name a few. So, you know, how do you like keep switching your writing process between them and Fear Factory? And also on a personal side note, uh, can we expect the Asasino release soon in the future? Okay. Whenever I work on each project, you know, sometimes... And I tried this before, but it's hard. You can't work on what I've for me. I can't work on two different projects at the same time hmm. because then they start to kind of blend into each other. Mm-hmm. So I don't do that. So whenever I work on a project, I commit to working on that project, right? Because I I can't like work on two projects at the same time. So I commit I commit to one, and that's how I'm able to separate the the sounds. And the styles, right? So when it comes to writing for Brujeria or Asasino, I got to get into that. It's got to be brutal, death metal, grind, you know, all that, all that killer shit. Uh, guitar solos everywhere, stuff like that. So I get into, I get, I got to get into that mode, and I stay there. You know what I mean? And I focus only on that. I can't write for Fear Factory at the same time. No way, it won't work. Right? Same thing when I work on divine heresy you know i gotta be focused on that that has a lot more riffs a lot more solos as well so i try to i try to separate them whenever i work on them so uh, uh will can we expect a new assassin or divine heresy album soon yeah oof. That's, that's a difficult question because now ever since that i've been the sole remaining member of fear factory that all my focus is on this right now secondly um where when we announce the new singer you know all, all my focus is going to be working with that singer so a lot of stuff coming up tour dates are going to be announced next year so there's going to be a lot of things coming up fear factory that i'm not going to be able to have time for for other projects but whenever i can if i get a little bit of time here and there i'll try to work on it fantastic finally dino we just have to know what was the kind of sandwich you'd made for dave mustaine <laughs> no i don't remember that was a long time ago i made i made a lot of sandwiches for a lot of famous people believe, believe it or not <laughs> on that note dino thank you so much for sparing some time out and talking to us it's been a pleasure thank you very much man i can't wait to go back to your country and experience it all over again yeah just just yeah, bring the new singer wait. It's only a 22-hour flight. <laughs> Plus a two-hour drive Bye. with all the honking. <laughs> to Pune. To Pune. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and, then Mumbai, and then Mumbai. I love Mumbai. Mumbai was great. Yeah. Thank you so much. Thank, Thank you so much, David. Bye. So, guys, Peter and Aditya or Urf Toila, who would you pick as Fear Factory's new singer? Dude, I think it can be a big swerve and it can be Burton all over again. It's just a I know. You know what? Like, for for all this kind of WWE-style drama, right? You'll suddenly have Burton back and it's like, I'm back, bitches. <laughs> I, I, was reading, I was reading all those comments that you all mean comments you all made about me. And now here's a new album. <laughs> yeah, but I, I think realistically, uh, so like Dino said that it can be a male or female. 
So I would probably, if I would want to technically see someone do it, it would be Tatiana. I guess her name is from Ginger. I think she could be a good fit for uh, Fear Factory if she, she gives it a shot. I, I mean, I Ooh. think she's the perfect fit for Fear Factory to be honest. Ballsy pick. Yeah, cult points are gone. Metal thread is down. <laughs> no, it's not. A, it's it's not about that. It's just that, no, um, no. like Ginger's blowing up, right? Yeah. So. Why would she end up like unless 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 Dino says yeah it's fine you can continue doing ginger while you're with your mean, factory. I mean, Bog is with Machine Head and as well as Decapitated and he's writing album like material for both of them. It's just a speculation, so who knows? So this is a really like strange pick, but I don't know why when you said male or female, I was just thinking, imagine Angela Gasco making a comeback, dude. That would be nuts, right? Yeah, yeah. I mean, but I I doubt she will because I think she's managing Arch Enemy now. Like, yep. yeah, 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 yeah. Like that's a great story, but I'm just like, imagine her yeah. vocals on top of like. Yeah, but I doubt she should do any clean singing like that. That level of clean singing, or I mean, I don't know, man. Like, but she would be great for nevertheless. Nevertheless, yeah. I think uh, should I forgot his name, man? Uh, The guy from Threat Signal, the vocalist of Threat Signal. Oh yeah, John Howard. He would. Ah, John Howard. Yeah, he would do. He would be like fucking phenomenal. He, he. I think he had a. He has a. Uh, side project with Branch Trout now. Uh, which kind of sounds like Fear Factory, uh, and SYL together. And and yeah, man, his vocals would like you'd kill it in Fear Factory if given the chance. I feel. But so, so yeah, you, so here's all my cult points going. But Mark Hunter from Chimera. That yeah, would be yeah. a not bad yeah. pick. Definitely, we have not let Animesh tell his choices. I'm interested in those. <laughs> Vishwesh Krishnamurthy needs to come back on uh, out of retirement. Oh, he, he would be crazy. Yeah, he would do some crazy work. Energy match, performance match will gel with Dino. Will probably be able to innovate in Fear Factory. Yeah, right. <laughs> That that be how I wish. Yeah, if we become the Dillinger Fear Factory plan, then after that. Yeah, exactly. Dillinger Fear Factory plan. Or maybe, maybe, maybe Fear Factory just does what Scribe did or attempted to do uh, when they lost their original vocalist, bring in two vocalists. Probably, yeah. Oh yeah, Oscar Symmetry also. Yeah, they were two. Yeah. Double vocal attack. Two vocalists. I mean, it's a bit of overkill for Fear Factory. I feel, but I mean, anything goes in this world, man. Self has said right now it's open for speculation, so he enjoys the speculation. <laughs> yeah, yeah, he does. He <laughs> loves the media. I'm telling you. Ladies and gentlemen, who would you pick as Fear Factory's new vocalist? Do let us know. We are all ears. You can reach out to us the usual hauntsupport.com. Or on Twitter at Hansapod. As always, I'm on Twitter at Asmo Annie. I'm at Trend Crusher. You can find me by searching for Aditya Rao on Twitter. And this was Hansap. Hansap, guys. Cheers. <laughs>